Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts, we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, come back and listen to some more. Okay, I'm here today with uh, my co-author, Des McHale. How are you, Des? Very well on this beautiful day, real Wimbledon weather. Wimbledon weather, indeed, yes. Um, uh, It's a while since we've done one of these podcasts, but when we last did one, we left people with a puzzle. And can you just reprise the puzzle for us, please? Yes, there's there's a man and he he takes all the jars in the house and he tightens the lids very tightly and he puts them in the fridge. Why on earth does he do that? Why on earth would a man tighten the jars in the kitchen, go around through all the cupboards, tighten them, put jars back in the fridge having tightened them? And I know the answer, so we're going to have to tell people the answer. And... (laughs) As I understand, he had a row with his wife and she said, you're useless, you're no good for anything. And so just to prove her wrong, he went around and tightened every lid on every yard so that she'd have to ask him for help. I mean, only a mean mind could think of that, Des. Very good. Well, this week we're going to share some of our favourite pieces of poetry and song lyrics. And I've got some for you and I'm sure you've got some for me. Mm. So do you want to start? I like classical poetry. I like poetry that rhymes. I like poetry that scans. I, I, I don't like stuff that sort of is just a jumble of words set down together with no meaning. Now, I'm lucky because when I was a kid, uh, I was forced to learn lines of poetry in both uh, English and Latin and Irish. So I can now recite very boring at parties, hundreds and hundreds of lines of poetry. But I find it a great comfort to know these things. They're part of me. They're part of my mind. I don't have to read them from a piece of paper. So I like poetry a lot, but I like intense poetry, very good poetry. And my, my, my first selection is from an Irish poet. Now, most people know W.B. Yeats and they know Seamus Heaney, but there are quite a few Irish poets that people don't know very much about. And this is a man called Francis Ledwidge. Francis Ledwidge died at the age of 21. He was killed in World War I. He went out to fight and uh, he left some poems behind. The few poems he left are utterly, to me, unbelievable. And they're they're very sentimental, they're very sad, but they're beautiful language. And this one is called A Little Boy in the Morning. And it's about a little boy that used to pass by his house every morning, driving some cattle and whistling. And he got used to this little boy coming. And then the little boy very sadly died. And this is the poem he wrote about him. He will not come, and still I wait. He whistles at another gate where angels listen. Ah, I know he will not come. Yet if I go... How shall I know he did not pass, barefooted in the flowery grass? The moon leans on one silver horn above the silhouettes of morn, and from their nest sills finches whistle, or stooping pluck the downy thistle. How is the morn so gay and fair without his whistling in the air? The world is calling, I must go. But how shall I know he did not pass, barefooted in the shining grass? Francis Lidwidge. How do you spell Lidwich? L-E-D-W-I-D-G-E, Lidwich. Oh, very good. So they're, they're all online. I mean, he's out of copyright. Anybody can quote them, write them down. And uh, 
he, he wrote about nature. He wrote, he wrote a lovely poem called June. He wrote about autumn and he wrote laments for various uh, people who had died. So he was quite uh, morbid in one sense, but very, very beautiful um, use of language. That poem I like. I do like sad poems, um, but yeah. my first choice is not a poem. It's a musical lyric. And I do like lyrics from, sorry, whenever I listen to songs on the radio, I'm looking out for really clever lyrics. And here is one which you will know. And it's a song written by uh, Richard Sherman and Robert Sherman for a Disney movie. And the lyrics go like this. Once a lonely caterpillar sat and cried to a sympathetic beetle by his side. I've got no body to hug. I'm such an ugly bug. Then a spider and a dragonfly replied, if you're serious and want to win a bride, come along with us to the glorious annual Ugly Bug Ball. <laughs> and it goes on. It's lovely. It's <laughs> and it's lovely, sung yeah. by Burlives yeah. in his marvellous lilting oh, voice. Oh, Burlives, I love. In fact, of course, lyric lyric poetry is poetry that's meant to be sung. And I mean, yes. it's also connected with the word lyre. It's meant to be played on the lyre as well. So there's no great contrast really between poems and the, the lyrics of songs. I mean, I think right. they're meant to be the same thing. Um, and I'll give you another one while I'm on. And this is one of my favorite. I love when I hear this. And it's a, an old song called um, I'll Never Fall in Love Again. And it's by Burt Bacharach and David Hal. What do you get when you fall in love? A guy with a pin to burst your bubble. That's what you get for all your trouble. I'll never fall in love again. And the second verse is, what do you get when you kiss a guy? You get enough germs to catch pneumonia. After you do, he'll never phone you. I'll never fall in love again. <laughs> rhyming pneumonia. It's very clever, yeah. <laughs> Almost like Ogden Nash, isn't it? It's, that is so clever. That is so clever. Whenever I hear that on the radio, I, I, I love I, it. I tend to be a person looking for highs in, in, in everything. And I asked myself at one stage, what is what are the greatest verse ever written? And that's a tough one. And it's going to be very much dependent on various people. But for me, it's by John Donne, 1572 to 1631. So it's, it's, it's a long time ago and shows us that human sentiment doesn't change very much. And it's called For Whom the Bell Tolls. No man is an island entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Each man's death diminishes me, for I'm involved with mankind. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Yes. I think it's just very profound. You know, I mean, you hear the bell ringing and you want to know who's dead, who's gone. And you're just thinking about your own mortality. Poets, not appreciated in his time. People thought he was rubbish, but it's only now they realise just what a, what a great poet he was. Okay. Well, I've got one from a similar age, but first of all, I'll give you another uh, song lyric. And this song comes from a, um, a film, a great film. And I, I would have thought it was a film that you would really love. It's called High Noon. Oh, yeah. I like Gary Noon, Cooper yeah, yeah. and uh, Grace Kelly. That's and right, there's a marvellous yeah. song in it called Do Not Forsake, Do Not Forsake Me, oh, My Me. Darling. And um, it featured in the film Belfast. Have you seen the film Belfast by... Um, uh, what's his name? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. No, I haven't seen it yet, but well, it's something this, I Well, the, the lyrics feature in there, and uh, the, after the, the opening chorus, the first verse goes like this. I do not know what fate awaits me. I only know I must be brave. And I must face a man who hates me. Or lie a coward, a craven coward, or lie a coward in my grave. And it's absolutely heroic verse, uh, nice. that, I think. Uh, the rest of the, 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 the song isn't as up to that standard, but that yeah. is absolutely... Well, the melody is very beautiful as well. The, very, I mean, the melody is beautiful. In fact, and, the, and, only, 
I, mean, I, I do think it's a wonderful thing. And it was, a it, was it was in black and white. And I'm very controversial in this yeah. time because yeah. it was about uh, the citizens not supporting the sheriff. Well, here's my next choice now. It's called The Burial of Sir John Moore. It's classic poetry. After Corona. I love this poem. What wonder. Go and delight. By Charles Wolfe, 1791 to 1823. Not a drum was heard, not a funeral note, as his corpse to the ramparts we hurried. Not a soldier discharged his farewell shot, or the grave of our hero we buried. We buried him darkly at dead of night, the sods without being its turning, by the struggling moonbeam's misty light and the lantern dimly burning. I mean, it's very atmospheric. You can feel you're there, the sort of the lanterns at midnight because they got to bury him under cover of darkness. And it's it's a heroic poem. That's what I like. It's it's a it's a time when people were heroes. If I can add the last two verses, but half of our heavy task was done when the clock struck the hour for retiring, and we heard the distant and random gun that the foe was sullenly firing. Slowly and sadly we laid him down from the field of his fame, fresh and gory. We've carved not a line, we raised not a stone, but we left him alone with his glory. Well, we, we belong to a generation where you learned poetry. And I mean, yes. it's, kids nowadays do not realise they're being deprived. You know, I mean, they won't go and look these things because they don't have the same feeling for them. But if they're in your mind, you can recite it at any given time. You know, when you want to cheer yourself up or depress yourself or whatever. Yeah. So I've got a poem um, from the greatest writer of all time. And um, that's a very bold claim to make, but I think most people would agree uh, with that claim. And of course it is William Shakespeare, 1564 to 1616. And he wrote some marvelous poems. And, Did. And his, his sonnets are just so wonderful, such yeah. amazing love stories. And I'll read you the most familiar one. They're each 14 lines and they end with a very powerful couplet. And this is a very famous one. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometimes too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed. And every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance, or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest. Nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. That's wonderful. And isn't it amazing? He wrote yeah. that nearly 500 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And he must have anticipated that it would be read for the next 400, 500 years, yeah. because the, 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 that's yeah. what he's saying. Death shall not brag. Uh, so long as men can breathe, or eyes can see. So long lives this, and this gives life to thee. And he wrote 154 sonnets, I think. I mean, I, I think most of them. I'll give you a, I, I wasn't all that keen on Shakespeare in school. Maybe I got too much of them. But since then, I've come to realise just his, his use of language, the beauty of language, the sentiments. And here's my favourite Shakespeare one. Fear no more the heat of the sun, nor the furious winter rages. Thou thy worldly task has done. Home art gone and tame thy wages. Golden lads and girls all must, like chimney sweepers, come to dust. Yes. So in, in his plays, I mean, they're pervaded with lovely lines of poetry where he's a character say them. And that's that's a lovely use of poetry to have the characters do them. And then they become independent poems in their own right. Okay, I'd like to do one from William Blake. And he was 
an amazing lateral thinker in, in his art and, and his, his literature. He lived from 1757 to 1827. So he reached the age of 70, which is quite a lot in those days. And of course, it's, it's the children's favourite, the tiger. Yeah. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burned the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dead grasp, dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? And in a sense, it's, it, it's a poem to, to the tiger, but it's a poem to God as well. Yeah, yeah. It was next in my list here. That's nice that we were. I, I, I said, "Did he who make the lamb make thee?" Is as good a line as you're going to get anywhere. I know. Did he who make the lamb make? I mean, it's a great question. It is. It is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's an American one now that we. This is again last stuff I just learned in school. It's called Barbara Fritchie. It's about the American Civil War. Up from the meadows, rich with corn, clear in the cool September morn, the clustered spires of Frederick stand, green walled by the hills of Maryland. Round and round them, about them orchards sweep, apple and peach tree fruited deep, fair as a garden of the Lord to the eyes of the famished rebel horde. That was John Greenleaf Whittier, 1807 to 1892. And it's again, it's a stirring poem. You can feel the, the sort of military might behind it. And just one more that I learned in school, that I think nearly all children learn in school or should. It's called The Brook by Alfred Lord Tennyson. I come from haunts of Coot and Hearn. I make a sudden sally and sparkle out among the fern to bicker down the valley. I chatter, chatter as I flow to join the brimming river, for men may come and men may go, but I go on forever. I go on forever. Lovely stuff. Yeah, and, and once again, it reminds you of our mortality. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, all right, I'm going to do one, and it's by Thomas Gray. It's the Elegy in a Country Church. Oh, I love it. I, I think it's gorgeous. I really love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, well, the poetry in its marvellous. It's too long for me to read here, but I'll just pick one or two of the verses, which I think, and, and it's, it's he's at the end of day and he's alone in the country churchyard and he's musing about what the, the citizens, their lives was like were like and, and what they might have become had chance played them a different hand. Beneath those rugged elms, that yew tree shade, where heaves the turf in many a mouldering heap, each in his narrow cell forever laid, the rude forefathers of the hamlet sleep. For them no more the blazing hearth shall burn, or busy housewife ply her evening care. No children run to lisp their sire's return, or climb his knees, the envied kiss to share. Then he goes on to say, we shouldn't mock them and say, um, how, how mundane their lives were. And, and he says, the boast of heraldry, the power of, the pomp of power and all that beauty, all that wealth uh, gave awaits alike the inevitable hour. The paths of glory lead, but to the grave. We're beautifully morbid, aren't we? We've got so much fun. For many a gem of purest ray serene, the dark unfathomed caves of ocean bear. For many a flower is born to blush unseen and waste its sweetness on the desert air. Yeah. It's an interesting concept that, that yeah. 
beautiful flowers we are wasted nobody's if nobody ever sees them. them. Yeah, and and yeah. very talented people are wasted if they never get the chance to display those well, talents. Bishop Barclay would say, do they really exist if nobody's ever seen them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 another tradition, which again is sadly vanished because of maybe television and modern entertainment, is the notion of the recitation, that somebody has a party piece and they would stand up and speak it as a recitation and it would be uh, word perfect. And I, the lot of those, what I like is called The Cremation of Sam McGee by Robert Service. Service lived from 1874 to 1958. The Cremation of Sam McGee, just the first verse. And they, they, they scan so beautifully when they're all off the tongue. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge, I cremated Sam McGee. Wow. It just, it just goes on and on. And it, he had complained all his life about the Arctic cold. And the only time he was ever happy was in the warmth of the fire in which his body was burned. It's he, he rises up from the fire and says, this is the only time in my life I've been happy because of the damn cold in the Arctic. It's beautiful. It just goes on and on like that. So I think we should, we should end up with a final choice each. And this would be mine. And it's a very familiar poem, uh, somewhat cliched, but I find it heroic. I love heroic poems um, and, and powerful sentiments. And this is William Ernest Henley and the poem which has been titled Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And it's all about free will and positive thinking and taking charge and not being a victim. It's very, for a motivational speaker, that is just a wonderful, yeah, wonderful poem. Yeah, yeah. Do you use poetry in your motivational speeches? I mean, no, I don't. It would be well, seen should, as, you know, I mean. Well, it would be seen as too corny these days, I yeah. think. But most people, I'd like to finish with two short poems. One is called Death, Death the Leveller by James Shirley. 1596 to 1666. And it's amazing how many really old and ancient poems we've quoted today. I mean, that's good stuff that lasts 400 years. Death the Leveller. The garlands wither on your brow, then boast no more your mighty deeds. Upon death's purple altar now, see where the victor victim bleeds. Your heads must come to the cold tomb. Only the actions of the just smell sweet and blossom in their dust. I think that applies to anybody if you're writing an obituary. And the very final one, which is a very short verse, which is possibly my favourite poem of all time, by Robert Frost, 1874 to 1963. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. It's the repetition of that last line that's so beautiful. It's all about duty, doing your job, you know. Obligation. Obligation, yeah. But, but cheerfully and, you know, accepting the fact that you have a job to do and that's what life's all about. 
Yeah, and, and poetry is such a powerful way of communicating these human emotions. Um, and as you say, they transcend the centuries. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we should leave listeners with one puzzle, and, and we, we traditionally do. And I think you've got one featuring a boy's name, haven't you? Yeah, th- th- this is quite a difficult puzzle. It took me a long time to sort of puzzle out myself. And that is, there's a boy's name. And if you spell it backwards, it's also a boy's name. It's a different boy's name. It's not Bob. So Otto, Otto wouldn't count then. No, Otto wouldn't. Otto or Bob wouldn't count. So, uh, so it's, it's bo- also a different boy's name when you spell it backwards. Well, we'll let our listeners ponder that, and I'll just say thank you very much for your poems, Des. Thank you, Paul, for yours. Mm-hmm.